Okie dokie, we are recording episode three, The Letters from No One. The escape of the Brazilian bow constrictor earned Harry his longest ever punishment. By the time he was allowed out of the cupboard again, the summer holidays had started. Dudley had already broken his new video camera, crashed his remote control airplane, and first time he has a racing bike, knocked down old Miss Fig while she crossed private drive on her crutches. Harry was glad school was over. There was no escaping Dudley's gang. Who visited the house every single day? Piers, Dennis, Malcolm, and Gordon were all big and stupid. But as Dudley was the biggest and stupidest of the lot, he was their leader. Huh, reminds me of a president of something. Maybe of this country? Ooh, I'm not supposed to make um, any political remarks. Sorry. The rest of them were all quite happy to join in Dudley's favorite sport hairy hunting. This is why Harry spent as much time as possible out of the house, wandering around, thinking about the end of the holidays, where he could see a tiny ray of hope. When September came, ay, ay, dancing in September, he would be off to secondary school and, for the first time in his life, she wouldn't be with Dudley. Dudley had been accepted at Uncle Vernon's old private school, Smeltings. Pierce Polkis had also been there too, was going there too. Harry, on the other hand, was going to Stonewall High, the local public school. Dudley thought this was very funny. Stonewall is something very different in the United States. They stuff people's heads down toilets the first day at Stonewall, he told Harry. Wanna come upstairs and practice? No thanks, said Harry. The poor little toilet's never had anything as horrible as your head down it. It might get sick. Then he ran before Dudley could work out what he had said. One day in July, Amputunia took Dudley to London by his smoking uniform leaving Harry at Miss Fig's. Miss Fig wasn't as bad as usual. Turned out she'd broken her leg tripping over one of her cats. She didn't seem quite as fond of them as before. So that Harry watched television and gave him a bit of chocolate cake that he tasted though it had been, set, been there for several years. That evening, Dudley paraded around his living room for his family at his brand his... Oh, still can't talk, by the way. That evening, Dudley paraded around the living room for the family in his brand new uniform. Smelting's boys wore maroon tailcoats, Orange knickerbockers. Why do British have weird names? Just call them pants. You and flat straw hats called boaters. They also carried knobby sticks used for hitting each other while teachers weren't looking. This is supposed to be good training for later in life. As he looked at Dudley and his new knickerbockers, Uncle Vernon's authors to quit putting hyphens when you could just put the word down the next line. Uncle Vernon said grumpfully that it was the proudest moment of his life. And Petunia burst in tears and said she couldn't believe her equal duty cuns. He looked so handsome grown up. Harry didn't trust himself to speak. He thought two of his rows of my already have cracked from trying not to laugh. There was a horrible smell in the kitchen the next morning when Harry went in for breakfast. He seemed to be coming from a, from a large metal tub in the sink. He went to have a look. The tub was full of what looked like dirty rags swimming in grey water. What's this? He asked Aunt Petunia. Her lips tightened as they always did when he dared ask a question. Your school new uniform. Your school new uniform. Your new school uniform. He looked into the vulgan. Oh, I realized they had to be so wet. Don't be stupid. I'm dying some of Dudley's old grey things for you, said Aunt Petunia. It will look just like everyone else's when I finished. Harry seriously doubted this thought best not to argue. He sat down at the table and tried not to think about how he was going to look on his first day at Stonewall High. But he was wearing old bits of help 
elephant skin probably. Dudley announced Uncle Vernon came in, both wrinkled noses because his spell from Harry's new uniform. Uncle Vernon opened his newspaper, as usual, and Dudley banged his smoking stick, which carried everywhere, on the table. He heard the click of the mail slot and flop the letters of flop of letters on the door mat. Get the mail, Dudley, said Uncle Vernon from behind the paper. Make Harry get it. Get the hair get the mail, Harry. Get the get the hair, Mary. No no. Make Dudley get it. Pokemon your stick, Dudley. Harry dodged the smoking stick and went up to the get the mail. Three things lay in the doormat. A postcard from Uncle Vernon's sister Marge, who was vacationing on the Isle of Wight. A brown envelope that looked like a bill and a letter for Harry? <gasps> Gasp! Harry picked it up and stared at it, his heart twanging like a giant elastic band. No one ever in his whole life had written to him. Who would? He had no friends, no relatives. He didn't volunteer the library, so he'd never even gotten rude letters and not asking for books back. Yet there it was, a letter addressed so plainly there could be no mistake. Mr. H. Potter, the cupboard on your stairs, known for a private drive, little whining, little winging, British people are weird names, Surrey. The envelope was thick and heavy, made of yellowish parchment, and the dress was written in emerald green ink. There was no stamp. Turning the envelope over, trim, his hand trembling, Harry saw a purple wax. Ugh. Bad taste in my mouth. So a wax seal bearing coat of arms, a lion, an eagle, a badger, and a snake surrounding a large letter H. Hurry up, boy, shouted Uncle Vernon from the kitchen. What are you doing? Checking for lava bombs? Shuddered at his own he wow. He chuckled at his own joke. Harry went back to the kitchen, still staring at his letter. He handed Uncle Vernon his bill and the postcard. Sat down and slowly began to open the yellow envelope. Brown ripped open the bill, snorted in disgust, like a snort, and flipped over the postcard. Marge is ill, he informed Aunt Petunia. Made a funny walk. Dad, said Dudley suddenly. Dad, Harry's got something. Harry was on the point of unfolding the letter, which was written on the same heavy parchment as the envelope, when it was jerked sharply out of his hand by Uncle Vernon. That's mine, said Harry, trying to snatch it back. Who'd be writing to you? Sneered Uncle Vernon, shaking the letter in one hand and glancing at it. Why can't I read right now? Okay. His face went from red to green faster than it said traffic light. And then stopped there. Within seconds, it was grayish white of old porridge. Good to you now, he gasped. Well, he tried to grab the letter and read it. Uncle Vernon held it high above his head. Aunt Petunia had him took it curiously and read the first line. For a moment, it looked like she went faint. She clutched her throat and made a choking noise. Vernon! Oh my goodness! Vernon! His daddy charm. She knew I'd forgotten that Harry and Dudley were still in the room. Dudley wasn't used to being ignored. He gave his father a sharp tap on the head with his smoking stick. I want to read Larry, he said loudly. I want to read the letter, said Harry fiercely, as it's mine. That voice crack. Wow, you do sound like a pre-professor boy. You do, a good job, do a good job at this. Get out, both of you, 
current down over in stopping the letter breaking the envelope hating him I want my letter he shouted let me see it demanded Dudley ow roared Uncle Vernon and took both Harry and Dudley by scratch the necks and threw them into the door threw them into the hall slamming the kitchen door behind them Out! Roared Uncle Aaron. And you. He wish there was a pause button where I could pause. Out! Roared Uncle Vernon. And he took both Harry and Dudley by his cross to the necks and threw them into the, the hall. Slammed the kitchen door behind them. Harry and Dudley promptly had a fierce but silent fight over who would listen to the keyhole. Dudley won. So Harry had his glasses hanging from a long ear, laying flat on his stomach. To listen at the crack between the door and the half floor. Vernon, Virginia was saying in a quivering voice, look at the address. How could they possibly know where he sleep? You don't think they're watching the house? Watching, spying, might be following us. Murdered Uncle Vernon wildly. Well, what should we do? Vernon, should right back? Tell them we don't want Harry. It's Uncle Vernon shining about just pacing up down the kitchen. No, we'll ignore it. You don't get an answer. Yes, that's best. We don't do anything. But I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear when we took him in we'd stamp that dangerous nonsense out? That evening when he got back from work, Vernon did something he'd never done before. He was his carry in his cupboard. I'm recording this in my closet. And it's kinda cracked in here. Hold on. Oh, that's better. That, okay. That's a lot better. Where's my letter? said Harry the moment Uncle Vernon had squeezed through the door. Who's writing me? My phone dying? No, it's charging. No one who was addressed to you by accident, said Uncle Vernon shortly. I burned it. It was not a mistake, said Harry angrily. I had my cupboard on it. Silence! Yelled Uncle Vernon, and a couple of spiders fell from the ceiling. He took a few deep breaths and then forced his face in a smile, which was quite painful. Er, yes, Harry. Love this cupboard. Your aunt and I have been thinking. You're really getting too big for it. I think it might be well nice if you moved into Dudley's second bedroom. Why? said Harry. Don't ask questions, he snapped his uncle. Take your stuff upstairs, now. The Dudley's house had four bedrooms. One for Uncle Vernon and Petunia, one for Zerzers, Usually, Uncle Vernon's sister, Marge. One where Dudley slept, and one where Dudley kept all his toys with the things that went in the first bedroom. Where am I? It only took Harry one trip upstairs to move everything he owned from his cupboard to this room. He sat down on the bed and stared around him. Nearly everything in here was broken. Nine-month-old video camera was selling atop a small working tank Dudley had once driven over to the next-door neighbor's dog. Did they have tanks in Britain? What the... I thought our gun laws were weird. Where am I? In the corner was Dudley's first ever television set, which put his foot through the his stage even program had been cancelled. Understandable. There was a large birdcage, which once held a parrot, which Dudley swapped for a real air rifle, which was set up on a shelf at the end all bent because Dudley had sat on it. 
our shelves were full of books. They were the only things in them that looked like they'd never been touched. From that series, Shank, the sound does bawling as mother. I don't want him in there. I need that room. You can get out. Harry sighed and stretched out on the bed. Yes, he had given anything to be up here. Today, he'd rather be back in his cupboard with that letter up than up here with it, without it. Next morning at breakfast, everyone was rather quiet. Dudley was in shock. He'd screamed, whacked his father with a smelting stick, been sick on purpose, kicked his mother, and thrown his tortoise through the greenhouse roof. He still didn't have his room. Harry was thinking about this time yesterday and bitterly wishing he'd opened the iron hall. Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia kept looking at Joe darkly. When the mail arrived, Uncle Vernon, who seemed to be trying to be nice Harry, made Dudley go and get it. They heard him banging things with his smoking stick all the way down the hall. Then he shouted, There's another one! The stage of Potter, the smallest bedroom, number four private drive. With a strangled cry, Uncle Vernon leapt from his seat and ran down the hall. Harry right behind him. Ran had to wrestle Dudley to the ground and get the letter from him, which was made difficult by the fact that Harry had grabbed Uncle Vernon from behind the neck. After Meg fused fighting, the rich family got hit a lot by his mountain stick. Uncle Vernon strained up, gasping in breath, with Harry's letter clutched in his hands. Go to your cupboard. I mean, bedroom. He wheezed at Harry. Dudley, go. Just go. Harry walked round and round his new room. And they, someone knew they had moved out of the cupboard, and they knew seemed to know that he hadn't received his first letter. Surely that meant he'd try again. This time he'd be sure they didn't fail. He had a plan. Bum, bum, bum. The repaired alarm clock rang at six o'clock the next morning. Harry turned it off quickly, dressed silently. He mustn't wake the dark please. He strolled downstairs without turning on any of the lights. He's going to wait for the postman at the corner of Private Drive and get the letters for number four first. His heart hammered as he crept across the dark hall towards the front door. Arg! Yo ho yo ho! Sorry. Harry leapt into the air. He trod on something big and squashing the door mat. Something alive. The lights clicked on something, and to his horror, realized that the big squash of something had been in his uncle's face. Uncle Vernon had been lying on foot at the foot of the front door in a sleeping bag, clearly making sure that Harry didn't do exactly what he was trying to do. He shouted at Harry for about half an hour and told him to go and make him a cup of tea. Harry shuffled off to the kitchen, and by the time he got back, the mail had arrived. Right onto Uncle Vernon's lap. Harry could see three letters dressed in green. I want, he began. No, ooh, wow, wrong person. I want, he began. Uncle Vernon was tearing the letters into pieces before his eyes. <laughs> Uncle Vernon didn't go to work that day. He stayed at home and nailed up the nail slot. See, he explained to him. Uncle, yes, Uncle Patina. Uncle Patina's man now. Th through Matthew and nails. If they can't deliver them, they'll just give up. I'm not sure that'll work, Vernon. Oh, these my people's minds is working in strange ways, Petunia. They're not like you and me, said Uncle Vernon, trying to knock a nail with a piece of fruitcake and Petunia had to spot him. I don't know that would work. If you could, like, get the fruitcake and nail and nail, they're pretty hard, aren't they? On Friday, no less than 12 letters arrived for Harry. As they couldn't go through the mail slot, they had been pushed under the door, slotted through the sides, and even forced through with a small window in the downstairs bathroom. Uncle Vernon stayed at home again. After burning all the letters, he got the hammer and the nails and boarded up the cracks around the front and back door so that no one could get out. Go out, not get out. Eh, same difference. 
He hums tiptoes to the side of his work, which I have no clue what it is, probably not a British thing, and jumped at small noises. On Saturday, things began to get out of hand. Twenty-four letters of to Harry found their way into the house, rolled up and in, hidden inside each of the two dozen eggs that their very confused mailman had handed up Petunia through the living room window. Uncle Vernon made furious telephone calls to the post office in the dairy, trying to find someone to complain to. Aunt Petunia shredded the letters in her food processor. Mmm, kids, we're having letters tonight. Sorry. Who on earth wants to talk to you so badly? Dudley asked Harry in amazement. On Sunday morning, Uncle Vernon sat down at breakfast table, looking tired and merry, but happy. No post on Sundays. To remind them cheerfully as spread marmalade on his newspaper. <laughs> no damn letters today. <laughs> I mean, marmalade tasting newspaper, I'd eat that. Something came whizzing down the chimney as he spoke and caught him sharply in the back of the head. Next moment, 30 or 40 letters came pelting out of the fireplace like bullets, largely stuck. Harry leapt into the air trying to catch one. Out! Out! Uncle Vernon seized Harry by the waist. By the waist. By the waist and threw him onto the hall. Into the hall. Oh, wow. I lost the ability to talk again. Sorry, everybody. That does it, said Uncle Vernon, trying to speak calmly but pulling great tufts out of his mustache at the same time. I want all of you back here in five minutes or you leave. We're going away. Pack some clothes. No arguments. He looked so dangerous with half his mustache missing that no one dared argue. Half a mustache. That's quite the fashion statement. Ten minutes later, they had wrenched their, yeah, wrenched their way through the boarded-up doors, and were in the car, speeding towards the highway. Sorry for all the pauses, everyone. I just really have like a watery mouth, and it's like so. Sorry about that. Dudley was sniffing in the back seat. His father had hit him around the head for holding them up while he tried to pack his television, VCR, and computer in a sports bag. It's a big sports bag. What does Chubster need a sports bag for? They drove, and they drove. Even Aunt Petunia didn't dare ask where they were going. Every now and then, Uncle Vernon would take a sharp turn and drive in the opposite direction for a while. Shake them off. Shake them off. Shake them off. Shake it. I'm sorry. It literally says shake them off. Shake them off. He would mutter whenever he did this. They didn't stop to eat or drink all way, all day. By nightfall, Dudley was howling. He never had such a bad day in his life. He was hungry. He'd missed five television programs he'd wanted to see, and he'd never gone so far without blowing up an alien on his computer. Sounds like my brother. I love you, Chase. If you're listening to this, Uncle Vernon stopped at last outside a gloomy-looking hotel on the outskirts of a big city. Dudley and Harris shared a room with. Twin beds and a damp and musty sheets. Dudley snored, but Harry stood awake, sitting on the window, staring down at the lights of bats, passing cars and wondering. They still conflicts and cold trim. What is what, what is that fucking accent? What the hell? Oh, there's my f bomb for the day. They storm, storm scale foot, stale cornflakes and cold tin tomatoes on toast for breakfast the next day. It just finished when the owner of the hotel came over to the table. Excuse me, this one is for you, Mr. H. Potter. You only got about in a hundred. Excuse me, this one's for you, Mr. H. Potter. You only got about in a hundred. This is the front desk. Shut up the list so 
when I could read the green ink. Miss H. Potter in 17, Realview Hotel, Cookworth. Harry made a grab for a letter, but Uncle Vernon knocks his hand out of the way. The woman stared. I'll take them, said Uncle Vernon, standing quickly and following her to the dining room. From the dining room. Ah, I lost the ability to speak again. Congrats, Parker. You are now completely illiterate. Wouldn't it be better just to go home, dear? Epithenia suggested timidly. Hours later, hours later, Uncle Vernon didn't seem to hear her. Exactly what he was looking for, none knew. He drove them to the middle of the floors, got out, looked around, shook his head, got back in the car, and off they went again. Same thing happened in the middle of a plowed field, halfway across the suspension bridge, and the top of a multi-level parking garage. Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? Dudley asked Aunt Petunia, dully late in the afternoon. Uncle Vernon had parked at the coast, locked him inside the car, and disappeared. It started to rain. Great drops beat on the roof of the car. Dudley snivelled. I love the sound of car rain. Car rain. That's yes, it rains car. But like, have you ever just listened to rain on like a window or like on a car roof? It's so relaxing. All right, little mini ranch side. It's Monday. He told his mother, "The great Humberto's on tonight. I want to stay somewhere with the television." Monday. There's some mind to hear something. If it was Monday, and could use count on Dudley, you know, days of the week, plus the television, then tomorrow, Tuesday, was 11, Harry's 11th birthday. Of course, his birthday was never exactly fun. Last year, the Dursleys please him in a coat hanger and a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks. Still, you weren't 11 every day. Uncle Vernon was back, and he was smiling. He was also carrying a long, thin package and didn't answer Aunt Petunia when she asked what he brought. Found the perfect place. Come on, everyone. Out. It was very cold outside the car. Uncle Vernon was pointing at what looked like a large rock out at sea. Perched on top of the rock was a, almost was the most miserable little shack one you could imagine. One thing was certain. There was no television there. Storm fur and Storm forecast. Can't talk. Storm forecast for tonight, Uncle Vernon said gleefully. Clapping his hands together, this gentleman's kindly agreed to lend us his boat. A toothless old man came angling up to them, pointing with a rather wicked, rather wicked grin. <coughs> ah, dying. At an old rowboat bobbing in the iron gray water below them. I've already got us some rations, so all aboard! It was freezing in the boat. Icy sea spray and wind crept down their necks, and chilly wind whipped their face. Until it seemed like hours they reached the boat, reached the rock, where Uncle Vernon, slipping and sliding, led the way down the, to the broken down house. The inside was horrible, it smelled strongly seaweed, the wind whistled through and gasped the wooden walls, and the fireplace was damp and empty. Oh, there were only two rooms. Uncle Vernon's rations turned out to be a big bag of chips each and four bananas. He tried to start a fire, but the empty bags of chips. Just smoked and shriveled up. Could do with some of those letters now, eh? He said cheerfully. He was now in a very good mood. Obviously, he thought nobody stood a chance out reaching them in the storm to deliver mail. Harry privately agreed, though the thought didn't cheer him up at all. As night fell, he, the promised storm blew up around them. Spray from the highway splattered the walls of the hut, and a fierce wind rattled the filthy windows. Petunia found a few moldy blankets in the second room and made a bed for Dudley on the moth-eaten sofa. She and Uncle Vernon went off to a lumpy bed next door. 
and Harry was left to the softest part of floor he could find and left to in the thinnest, most ragged blanket. The storm raged and more ferociously than the night went on. Harry couldn't sleep. Shivered and turned over, trying to get un trying to get comfortable, his stomach rumbling with hunger. Dudley's stories were drowned by the ro low roars of thunder and that that started near middle night. Midnight, wow, middle night. I wonder if it's never ever been called mid middle night. The lightened the dial the lighted dial of Dudley's watch which was dangling over the edge of the sofa on his fat wrist told Harry to be eleven and ten minutes time. He lay and watched as his birthday ticked nearer, wondering if the Dursleys would remember it all, wondering where the letter writers was now. Five minutes ago, Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped the roof wasn't going to fall in, though he might be warmer if it did. Four minutes ago, maybe the house on private drive would be so full of others when they got back that he'd be able to steal one somehow. Three minutes ago, was that the sea slapping hard on the rocks like that? And two minutes ago, what was that funny crunch noise? Was the rock crumbling into the sea? One minute to go and he'd be 11. 30 seconds. 20. 10. 9. Maybe he'd wake Dudley up just in order. 3. 2. 1. BOOM! I just like making that noise. But bro, it says boom. The whole shack shivered. And Harry sat bolt upright, staring at the door. Someone's outside, knocking to come in. And that leads to chapter 4. Which we'll do next episode. I think it's brilliant how Rowling wrote the Dursley. It really is one of the best representations of what abusive families are like. Um, our great representation of this is. Crap, what is it called? I don't, know, I don't remember. Oh, um, The Glass Castle. Both really great at representing them. Mm really sad like it shows you the just shit shows that happen all right next episode we will be introduced to the fun stuff see y'all then